0: Hey, friends, I can't tell you how many times we've had someone write in or message us asking us for a list of the podcast episodes and resources we have on a particular topic or pain point. In fact, just the other day, someone asked me, hey, can you point me to all the episodes you guys have on sexual betrayal? Because unfortunately, this person had just recently discovered that this was now part of their story. We get this question so much that we decided to do something about it to make it easier for you. Rather than wading through our entire library of very inspirational content, if I may say so myself, how about if we just give you a list of everything that we have on a particular topic you're looking for? We've done that. We've built some of these lists, and we call these lists curated pathways. With curated pathways on topics like grief, child loss, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, widowhood, and more, we've compiled the very best resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, all in one place that will speak directly to what you're experiencing right now, or what a friend or a family member is experiencing. We've packaged this in an easy way for you to consume it, you to access this material, or for you to send it over to a friend or family member you know who's experiencing a particular pain point right now. Our Curated Pathways will give you access to everything we've created from past podcast episodes to bonus content, masterclasses, live coaching, and everything in between. Let's be honest, when you're facing a crisis, a loss, or a trauma, you just don't have the time or the energy or emotional bandwidth to search for what could help you heal. That's why we've created Curated Pathways, so that you can more directly and quickly access the resources that you need. Now you can get a taste of what our curated pathways are all about by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. But if you're ready to go to the next level on your healing journey, you can access the full library of our resources, including the entire curated pathway you're looking for by becoming a community plus member for just $20 a month or $200 a year. You'll have access to the complete collection of nothing is wasted curated pathways as a community plus member. You'll be able to access a new curated pathway each month as our collection grows and as we release those. Our team has been working very hard to catalog, index, organize, and distribute our library of content in a way that will be most helpful to you, to your friends, to your family, because we know what it's like to face pain, and we want to equip you with the tools you need to find hope and healing as you move from pain to purpose. Join Community Plus today at nothingiswasted.com slash communityplus or get a little taste of our curated pathways at nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. Both of those links are here in the show notes. We wanna help you partner with God to take back your story and we're committed to giving you resources that will help you do just that.
1: Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now your hosts, Davy Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson.
2: Hey everybody, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Aubrey.
0: And I'm Davey, and today we have a very special conversation that we are featuring with Joan Kelly, who, by the way. Uh, you guys may remember hearing a conversation with Amy Sylvester.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, would have been well over a year ago now that we featured her story. And Amy is one of our staff members. Um, she's on our team at Nothing Is Wasted. And Joan was her mentor when she lost her little boy. Oh wow! And Joan's story is um, is very much in the same thread. Um, lost a, a young child and. Through that is really helping so many people in the space of um, spiritual direction, uh, mm-hmm. helping to lead silence and solitude retreats. Amazing. And is really repurposing her pain in such powerful ways. This is a remarkable woman with, I mean, an incredible conversation very insightful as we sat down and, and talked about some of her experience and what she's doing. I just wow. loved it. It was mm. wow. I so um
2: yeah I'm so excited for our for our listeners to hear your conversation with Joan and I lo- I love the connection I think that is so yeah. so fun the connection to Amy before we dive into um Joan's story can I read you a review from the yeah, podcast
0: that'd be Wonderful
2: All right here's what this one says five star review which we always like All right um this is a pretty devastating one it has been a little over three months uh this was in August Davy so we're at you know, several months later now. um, Since my husband lost his life to suicide. I've been trying to cope as best as I can, all while raising our six-month-old son as a first-time mom. Hearing these stories inspire me to have hope in this journey. The name of this podcast alone brings me peace. I'm so thankful to the people who are willing to share their stories. Wow. Mm.
0: You know, it just makes me all the more aware of how fresh the pain is for many of you guys.
2: Yeah. Right. Right. Listening
0: to this, someone suggested this podcast to you because you've just experienced some kind of devastating, Mm -hmm. uh, loss or transition in your life. And you're just looking for somewhere to find hope. And we're glad that you landed here. Yeah. We do believe that this podcast, our, our, our plan or our, mission for this is to bring you hope in your headphones yep. uh, that will help you keep going. And we also have lots of resources that over the years we've been able to create, curate, assemble so that you don't have to stumble your way along in this whole journey. You know, one of those resources I would, uh, um, we just recently released a curated pathway for loss by suicide and suicide ideation, mm-hmm. Aubrey. And so that is available. And what those pathways are, is a way for you to go to kind of cut through all of the other episodes that we have, all the other content related to other topics and stuff and go, okay, how can I find stories that relate specifically to the thing I'm going through right. or have gone through? Right. And so we've created these path like these are all this is all of our content related to loss by suicide or suicide ideation. So to try to be as helpful as we possibly can, we've started assembling some of these. We've got several of those pathways assembled. Lost by Suicide was one that we assembled in September. You can go to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. And you just put a little bit of your information in and you click the drop down menu for the, the pathway that you want and it'll email you that pathway. And so I want to encourage you, if you're listening and that's your story or other pathways that, yeah. other you know, areas of pain that you're struggling with, go to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways and, and see if we've got a pathway for that. Or, um, we are just want to walk with you, help you mm-hmm. partner with God to take back your story. Which is, right. which is what Joan is doing with people as well. And that's what's so encouraging about listening to her uh, in this conversation. Aubrey, you're going to love this.
2: I can't wait.
0: This is, is going to be a good one. So let's go ahead and take a listen to my conversation with Joan Kelly. Well, Joan, thanks so much for joining me on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. It's great to have you.
1: It is an absolute honor to be
0: here, Davey. We got connected through um, a staff member of ours, Amy. You guys have, um, your paths have crossed and she has spoken so highly of you and the work that you do. And I'm just really excited to hear firsthand uh, how God has been showing up in your story and how he's helping you um, to reveal that to other people as well. I think that's one of the unique things about what you do. But before we dive into your story, before we dive into some of the work that you're doing, would you just tell us a little bit about you right now. Where, where do you live? What do you what do you do? Tell us a little bit about what your family's like. What is life for Joan Kelly right now?
1: Okay. Um, well, first off, I am a wife to John. We live in Palatine, Illinois, suburb northwest suburb of Chicago. I am a mom of four, but now five actually. Uh, my daughter got married last year. She's twenty six. I have a twenty three year old that lives in the city and works there. Uh, almost 21 year old, um, who is going to be a junior in college. And, and, uh, and then our oldest son will that we're going to share a piece of his story today passed away about 12 years ago. And so those are some of my biggest, I'll say teachers besides God in my life. Um, and then as far as what my life is like right now, I am a spiritual director. So I meet with people, uh, Really, as a companion in their spiritual journeys. And I also lead a uh, ministry called Sacred with a dear friend, Gail Donahue. Uh, we lead guided solitude retreats every other month here in the Chicago area or help people, you know, create those uh, for themselves elsewhere. And um, just really inviting them into the rhythm that um, Jesus modeled for us to come away to be with their father. And sometimes we need a little help to understand and experience that rhythm. So that's sacred. And then the other ministry I've uh, volunteered with as kind of the director of facilitator development is called One Life Maps, and it's based on a curriculum called Listen to My Life. And really the best way to describe that ministry is a subtitle, which is recognizing and responding to God in your story. So I know that's a heartbeat for you as well. But this curriculum of, of really eight um, maps, visual maps that you do- help you document your story, past, present, and future. So looking at your life story, your life right now, peaks, valleys, desires, and longings. Um, so that is a, a ministry that I've adored and am a part of and has really changed my life uh, as well. So those are the things kind of going on in my life right now.
0: Man, man. There's so much already that you mentioned that I want to unpack but I, I think the first place that we have to go, because, you know, we talk about all the time that so much of our purpose gets informed by the pain that we walk through and God wants to take us on that journey from pain to purpose. Um, I, I'd love for you to share a little bit about the story of your, your oldest son, lost. you said 12 years ago, and just what that, that journey was like for you, because I'm, I'm sure that it has informed a lot of what you do now
4: it, it
1: certainly has. And I was already doing a a few of those things prior to that. Will, uh, was our oldest. Uh, he was 16 at the time. So our kids were 16. Megan was 13. Drew was 10 and Mitch was seven. So all about three years apart. But to be honest, like those are kind of the golden years right in there. Um, not a perfect family, but just a, a sweet season. Uh, Will had just finished his uh, sophomore year in high school, super athletic, he kind of come into his own physical body and academically doing pretty well and spiritually in a good place. And just, I kind of felt like I was seeing this man unfold in in front of me. And um, it was kind of the first part of June, he had some kind of injury and He'd also had, you know, a few like just little bumps on his head. And when he went and he asked them doctor about that, and it's like, "Ah, I think they're just bug bites or something. And then a few weeks later, uh, we were actually headed out on a road trip with our family to a wedding out in New York. So we were kind of getting packed up that week and getting ready. And Will had just been lethargic. Our whole family had been kind of been doing this running club in the mornings, and he's probably the most athletic of all of us. And he just wasn't. Able to really do it. And I, like, mm. gosh, he's, you know, a oh, teenager. He's being lazy or whatever and doesn't want to come. But um, I decided to take him in to the doctor to check out what was going on. I thought maybe he's just got mono and I need to figure this out before we load, you know, all six of us in the car and head out on Friday. And this is a Wednesday. And so we went in and the pediatrician said, you know what, let's just do some blood work and check and did that. And it happened to be our. 20th wedding anniversary. And I remember that day specifically, uh, I was at this bookstore and I bought John a anniversary card and remember the chair I sat in and, and essentially what I wrote is, you know, I can't imagine doing life with anybody else and uh, have, you know, loved the journey so far. I can't wait to see what God has for us next. And so that afternoon, um, actually heading into evening was heading out for dinner with John and the pediatrician called with the test results. And she said, you know, Mrs. Kelly, are you alone? And I'm like, well, I don't want to hear that from you. Am I alone or someone with you? And she said, um, I need to tell you that based on the blood test, um, Will's white cell count is like 243,000 and it's supposed to be 6,000. I'm almost certain he has leukemia. And my heart dropped. I had no idea even what leukemia was. I vaguely, I did. Uh, And she said, I need you to tell your son and pack a bag for a week and head downtown Chicago. So I quickly went and told Will as best I could and Scooted off the kids to a neighbor's house, um, not knowing what was really ahead of us. And um, as we got in the car, I remember um, thinking, "Okay, who do I know? Who do I know? I'm I'm an engineer and a planner by background. I do a lot of ministry stuff now, but like I, I I've I've got to have a plan. <laughs> and so I called um, a friend who had the this person's name I needed and it was a pastor a community pastor at our church whose daughter who happened to be the same age as my daughter who had leukemia and was at the same hospital that we were actually heading in the car to and it was funny because God had put them on that family on our path in the last 2 years kind of just gently and see them at the grocery store or um, I'd read, I followed along on their caring bridge. And I remember thinking, Oh, my gosh, what if that was my, in that case, daughter, since our daughters were the same age. And so I called this man, Tom, and um, I said, Tom, here's the situation. And I said, what would you want to know? Go back to day one, what would you want to know? And I've got my post it, I found the post it the other day, actually, and in the car and a pen and I'm waiting for him to tell me this doctor or this medicine or this protocol or whatever. And he said, Joan, I think I'd want to know that he's God's child first. And I thought, Oh, that's hard to hear and feels like kind of crappy advice from a pastor right now, (laughs) but actually it was God setting the stage for what was going to unfold and beginning to remind my heart and transform my heart, um, to start to live into those words in a deeper way. And anybody who has cancer begins to do that subconsciously, whether you know that or not. Um, anyway, we got to the hospital. Um, it was very surreal. Um, in the, in the, uh, emergency room. I remember, uh, them coming in and confirming the the diagnosis. They simply did some more blood work. And I just looked at them and I said, are you sure? And they're like, we're 99.9% sure. And you're now going to be heading up to the oncology floor. And I remember getting up there, I remember walking down the hall and there are these posters and images of these beautiful, bald children. And, you know, our family loves to give and to run 5Ks and make meals for people. We were the people prior to this on the other side. I mean, in fact, Will and I had just ran a 5K for an organization like a couple months prior. And here we are, and we are those people. And we've joined this club that we didn't really want to join. And so uh, with leukemia, particularly with a boy, the treatment is three and a half years of chemo and radiation and, you know, all kinds of other things. And we were in the hospital for about a week and essentially they just begin blasting it um, with these drugs. And because they are young and resilient, um, it goes away almost immediately. But because it's a blood cancer, it's in your blood. And so that's why the treatment is so long. And so for, um, you know, the next 10 months, essentially, we followed the protocol. Literally, there was like a spreadsheet and you do this and you take this med and this might happen and this might happen. And and, um, the other thing that happened was God showed up in our community around us um, with meals, with rides for my kids. But one moment that I think is important to point out, because I think it shows how God shows up in a lot of different ways is our dear friend, Marina, next door, who has four kids the same age as ours. So, Joan, I, I have this idea. I've been telling God I don't want to do it, so it's really okay if you say no. <laughs> and she said, I want to do a prayer vigil. I want God to do a prayer vigil at your house. Right. The day before school starts, Will would have been heading into his junior year, and every every other child would have been heading to school the next day. And it's just going to be 10 minutes. It's going to be silent prayer and it's going to be in your yard. And I said, okay, Uh, I'll ask Will. And he was on board with it. And we said, you know what? If no one else shows up, there's six of it in each of our families. That's 12 people. That's great. So at that time, um, and really all along the journey, I was using CaringBridge as a way, well, one, to initially just inform our families, but it kind of became, I loved to write. And so it became this place for me to kind of journal our story and what was going on. But more importantly, what was God up to? And I will quite often say that it's that journaling that I did late at night of the day in CaringBridge, that really saved my faith. Cause it forced me to notice where God was at in the very little minutia of the day. Yeah. And so I put it on Caring Bridge. we're gonna do this prayer vigil, everybody's invited. I know it's the day before school, it's 10 minutes. We'd love to have you. And then God showed up in 200 people in my yard. <laughs> And they brought blankets and they sat and they prayed with their families. They sat on the swing set. They were on the front yard. They showed up in bikes and rollerblades. And, you know, they covered our family and really all those in the community in prayer. So during the vigil, I would just say, I remember walking around upstairs in our house because Will was not feeling well, so he was still up in his room, which is on the front side of the house. And I remember going from window to window, looking out, and like, God has showed up in my yard today, and I needed to see him. Wow! And so it was a incredibly powerful day. Will actually, at the end of it, was able to come downstairs and greet people, and um, I can still picture that day like like anything. And so. Anyway, there, there were just moment after moment like that during our journey. Will was ill 10 months and where God just kept showing up. We're like, yes, God is at work. Oh my gosh, this is going to bring so many people to Jesus because they're going to see how he heals. Yeah. And uh, Will continued to go to school as much as he could. Um, he was... Nauseous pretty much every day for that whole year. I thought of him the other day. I was nauseous with something else. And like, how did he do this? How did he function? But he, yeah. he did. And from day one, he's like, it's okay. It's just really annoying, <laughs> is what he would say. And so, uh, anyway, it, it transformed our family. I can fully say today that we are a different family because of that. Do I wish that it didn't happen? Absolutely. Do I want, my boy to walk in the back door.
3: Hmm. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So that year continued on. And so he's diagnosed in June. Uh, He made it through, there was weekly chemo, lots of hospital stays. He made it through all the weekly chemo. Now we're about nine months in. He did a month of brain radiation um, and he was actually coming out of that to some degree. And I felt like, mm, we're moving towards the monthly chemo. Like we could, okay, I think we can, we can do this pattern that's ahead of us. Uh, and for some reason, his, um, body caught this set of gluky infections and we landed back in ICU and for three weeks, um, he just battled <laughs> and uh the infections were there because of um you know one of the things that you take along the way is an antibiotic to be honest and it was a side effect of being on an antibiotic for an extended period of time so it wasn't even the cancer that got him it was a side effect of the very thing trying to save his life Mm -hmm. and so we had three weeks of of um time in ICU and really kind of got down to the last week and the last couple days and uh the doctors had a called us into a meeting which you never want to be at and they said he's um he's got about a 5% chance to live. goodness. And we kind of thought we had like a 30% chance to live. Right. And so they had one more idea. They tried so hard. Um so hard and they knew there was something different in our room too in fact there was one uh, the head of ICU was uh, a Jewish man lovely lovely man and he just kept showing up in our room I think partially because he couldn't quite figure out what was going on they never really did totally diagnose what the infection was right how to treat it he's like there's something different in here and wow. he'd bring me Starbucks coffee in the morning or, you know, whatever. I don't drink coffee, but, and yeah. he, he noticed something and the nurses went something. Wow. He sensed God in the room and we had prayer vigils in the room, you know, for 30 minutes, you know, people would call in on zoom or yeah. whatever we used at that point in time. It's probably something on free conferencing. I think, Right. um, I guess we were before our time in terms of virtual things. This is in 2010 <laughs> and we would have a virtual prayer vigil for Will most nights, wow. and so we got to the to the his final day, and they tried the one last thing, and then his body just started shutting down. And the worst nightmare that any parent can have was having to make the decision that um, you know we just could not continue on life saving efforts uh, for his body that was really already gone. To be honest. Yeah. And so on May 21st uh, of 2010, Will passed away. And we, you know, we decided we made some really conscious choices with our other kids. We came home and told them they had no idea, but they knew because mom and dad were both there that something was drastically wrong because they hadn't seen us in the same room for weeks and weeks. Um. And it was horrible, and and we decided to take them back down to the hospital to see him one more time, and for them to have realized like that isn't will there, right? <laughs> Will's with Jesus, and uh, you know just made some other choices like that along the way, and how we did things even for um, the celebration of life, and and um, included them along the way, and I think as hard as it was, and they were at a wide variety of ages, um, I think it was an important part of them realizing we can grieve together, we can grieve separately, um, but mom and dad are going to be there and meet us, you know, right where we're at. And so I always say, you know, that day, um, I fully realized, you know, that Will was God's child first. And so that's really began our grief journey um, together as a family, which, you know, continues on, continues on today yeah. um, for, for each one of us. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Hi friends, it's Christy Blackburn, Davy's wife and co-founder of Nothing Is Wasted. If you guys have been around here for a while at Nothing Is Wasted, you've probably heard a bit about my personal journey towards living a healthy lifestyle for myself and my family. So as a physician assistant, I've watched so many people overtaken by chronic illness, disease, unhealth. It was also a part of our own family's journey with an autoimmune disorder that prompted me to take a closer look at the everyday choices we were making and how those decisions were impacting our health. So perhaps you too have found yourself stuck in a cycle of frustration and shame and defeat as you struggle with chronic health conditions, fatigue or yo-yo dieting. Because I know how difficult that path can be, I wanted to create a resource to empower others like you to take back your health. That's why I'm so excited to invite you to join me in January for my upcoming live online virtual wellness course called Back to the Garden, Holistic Living the Way God Intended. This eight-week course is not your typical health class. I'm so, so passionate about blending both scriptural truths with the scientific facts that help us live a holistic, intentional life when it comes to our whole selves. We want to get to the root of wellness by taking you back to the garden, the first Garden of Eden, and look at the principles God gave us when it came to caring for our health, mind, body, and soul. In this course, you'll learn holistic, God-given rhythms for living an intentional life, including rhythms around food, around your emotional and spiritual health, and your environment. This course won't prescribe you a one-size-fits-all solution, but will instead give you the tools you need for creating your own simple, easy-to-implement plan that is adaptable to your family's lifestyle. But more than that, you'll get the knowledge you need to make informed decisions and live in freedom when it comes to your health. While I'd love to offer this resource to everyone, I want to be sure to give you the space to interact with me personally and get your questions answered, as well as connect with others walking a similar journey towards health which is why I've limited the number of spots available for this course. So from now until November 15th, you can register for the Back to the Garden, Holistic Living the Way God Intended course by going to www.lennonroots.com course. If you've been overwhelmed with all the information on health and wellness and have wondered how to make the changes in the right direction, this course is for you. Don't let overwhelm stop you from taking back your health and learning the God-given rhythms for living an intentional life. Make plans to join me and others just like you this January as we go back to the garden.
0: Yeah, John, I think it's um, I think I think there's so many things that stand out to me as you're sharing all this stuff. The, you know, the first thing that I, I definitely want to underscore is just even back as you you guys are walking this journey to fight this thing. Um, Just how remarkable it is that, that you're leaning into some of those, you know, with your journaling and, and some of those moments where you're asking some big existential questions of God.
3: Mm -hmm. You know, a
0: lot of times when you receive a diagnosis like this, it's like, okay, it's time to just, we're going to fight this thing. We're going to beat this thing. How how critical was that? Do you feel like in the journey preparing you for the outcome of this? That you were leaning into where is God in all of this?
1: I, I I think it was incredibly important. Um, I think it I'm not saying that my grief has been really smooth, but I would say I can recognize when I'm in a really stuck place. Mm because I know I can have an honest conversation with God. I mean, think of the Psalms. There's a lot of really honest conversations with God there, and I feel like I've had a lot of those. Uh, I remember another moment, probably just a week into the whole diagnosis, and uh, we were in the hospital. I think John and I were still both staying down there, and I remember looking at him and kind of just giving God an ultimatum, but I'm like looking at my husband doing it and saying you know, God, if this is what is, then you better well use it, you know? And, and he has, and he does, and, and it's hard. Yeah, It's, it's really that both and kind of living where joy and sorrow are mingled together. Yeah. And it's a hard thing. And it's probably one of the most beautiful things, um, uh, but we, I, I had to lean into God because it's really all I had. Right. Right. And it looks different. I guess I want to say, too, it looks different. I mean, John would say if he was on here that his journey looked way different. And there was a lot of, um, you know, anger uh, yeah. of trying to figure out God's part in this and what does this do to my relationship with Him? And I, I trust you, God, but I'm I'm not happy right now.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, I think one of the the unique things about your story and what you do is that, you know, you you teach other people essentially how to grieve, right? I mean, you you've led this yeah. class at Willow Creek on grief. You've
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, teaching I've, other people. Yeah, go ahead.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah and, and yet it's still hard. I mean yeah. this afternoon I'm going to sit with a mom who's just lost her son 3 weeks ago. Yeah. And I'm still sitting here going what am I going to say to her?
3: Yeah. That's wow.
1: and all I can do is be with her and listen to her heart story and probably even some of the harder pieces of it. Yeah. Uh so I think so much of the way that we learn to grieve is by sitting with and by listening to people's stories and being willing to enter into them and being willing to do the work, you know, of our own stories. Um and I think, you know, all of our grief griefs are like they're intertwined, right? And I'm sure you know this, Davy, like you know somebody else in i don't know let's say in your neighborhood um passes away i'm sure it touches into somehow Ooh. the loss of your wife and right. for me the loss of my son i remember when i heard this young man that passed away like all of a sudden i'm back to yeah. what happened for me and how i felt in that moment and in that time and as i was planning a funeral and all those things mm. uh and so it has felt important to be available to walk alongside others. You know, I talked earlier a little bit about community, and you know, one of the beautiful parts about community, you know, particularly in in our case, in a in a diagnosis of, and they were walking alongside us. You know, people showed up with their their how God had wired them. Mm. You know, I you know, there were meals, there were awesome meals, there were gift cards, there were people showing up to drive my kids. I said that. But there were also people that just said, knock on my door. And she'd say, I'm your neighbor. I loved to garden. I'm I'm a total mess. I don't even want to talk to you about this because I don't know what to say, but I want to weed in your garden. I know that's not a priority for you, but that's how God made me. Mm. And so, that's what she did. Wow. And that was beautiful. Yeah, And so, I think about this woman who's gonna come today. I I could bring her a meal, but I've also lost a son and I can sit with her in this unique way because of what happened. And I'm willing to, John is willing to sit with others and and be God's hands and feet because we have experienced something similar. Mm. Wow. So it feels like a part of, I guess, a part of my calling, a part of how God has wired me. I, I wouldn't have signed yeah. up for this part of the story ever, nor Certainly would you. Not. And yeah, but that's, I mean, a lot of uh, what this podcast is really about, right? Sharing right. the stories and being with others exactly. in their hard places.
0: That's right. Well, you know, and I wonder, you know, as you as you kind of look at how you're walking with other people in grief, but also look at your own story and. The immediate aftermath, you know, and all the way up through these last 12 years, what are some of those critical, um, you know, we call them waypoints, I guess, but the critical pillars that, you know, nearly everybody's going to have to approach when it comes to grief. You know, what are the things that you found like, man, this this seems like a really uh, critical um part of grief that everybody seems to wrestle through their timing may be different. The pace may be different, but, but this is one of those things that, you know, is going to be kind of a common denominator.
1: Yeah. I think, um, you know, different things come to mind as we talk about that. I think, you know, there's that initial kind of just shock factor. Now I, my journey is different than like yours where I, 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 I kind of had, you know there was that possibility all along those 10 months that this right. could be a reality. Um, so I, I was maybe a little further into the grief journey because of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. but initially, right after, right, there's the I always say it's kind of like anesthesia that God puts on, He knows you can only handle so much, and so I think that's why you're you're tired and you, you can't fully function, but I don't think God allows you to feel the full, to, to be honest, the fullest pain of it. It's very right. raw in the beginning, but I think over time, particularly after, you know, you get through that first year, I think some of that anesthesia starts to come off and you're able yeah. to look at the grief that is there. Yeah. Um, I think, so that's, that's a piece that does happen that I think is, is very natural. I think, a practice that has helped too is, um, I always think about um, making time for your grief. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pre-grieving. Sometimes we talk about where you know you have a holiday or an anniversary coming up, of related to the loss, of making some space to pull away and put everything else down and just kind of sit with it and. Yeah remember the person or or the situation and sit with God in it. I think that has been super important So when that day comes of their birthday or the anniversary of their death or whatever the loss is, you are not just rolled over like a tidal wave
3: mm. uh,
1: I think that has been a, a pillar. I think having a community the community, of people to talk about it, um, has allowed me not to get stuck in my grief. We did the very class that you talked about that I've taught out a little bit at, um, the church we attended and finding a community to journey through your grief in it. And I I think the other one is that very word through (laughs) is I can avoid it. It's very easy to avoid it, um, to walk around it, um, but it's not going to go away. And you know, it's kind of like I would say grief is a little bit like a crying baby, like mm-hmm. an incessantly crying baby, and it needs attending to. Wow. You can put it down for a while, and I think you should. Um, I, I think every once in a while you have to put it down and go do something joyful, or go take a walk, or go to a movie, yeah. or laugh. It's okay to laugh. <laughs> yeah. Um because you you will just get lost and and stuck. Um, yeah. So those are those are some of the things that have been pivotal, important, and and I think just being brutally honest with God. Yeah. About where you're at and how hard it is, and coming back to His Word and and thinking about you know what what um, what it says. You know, there's some of my favorite verses are in Lamentations three. Mm-hmm. And um, Mm. the version I love, uh, I just pulled it up here and it says, it's 19 to 25, it says, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I'll never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet, I still dare to hope Mm. when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. You know, and as I look at that, like that first part, like it, it, um, It's like God is acknowledging, yeah, like it's hard. There's suffering and homelessness beyond words, and it is awful. I agree with you, and I want you to grieve, and I don't want you to forget. Remembering is an important part of our grieving, but then there's that line, that pivotal line in there. It says, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. Mm -hmm. Can I get to the point in my grief where I can still dare to hope, and in the beginning, Maybe I do need to borrow that hope from somebody else or from some other time in my story until I can get to the point where I can dare to hope again and be reminded that God is faithful and good. And He does show up each morning with these handpicked mercies for me that I'm going to need today.
3: Wow. Wow.
0: You know, Joan, we had a um, a listener asked a question the other day that it, it kind of just uh, just feel prompted to in some ways ask this, but i'll I'll I'll, I'll kind of give context, you know the when it, it, you lost will at seventeen years old,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and so there's there's so many different nuances when it comes to grief and loss that N- nobody's story is the same, and everything, you know, in different stages it, it carries different things and, you know, so if you lose a young child, it carries certain emotions and feelings and you know right. um implications. You you lose a child uh, who's an adult child, you know, on maybe into their 30s and 40s that carries some other implications. And there's something unique about losing a child who is right, kind of on the precipice of, you know, you said it earlier, like he was coming into his own. You were seeing this mm-hmm. man really mm-hmm. emerge. Right. And there's a uniqueness to that because you know, as a parent, there's this thought, this idea of investment into Mm -hmm. your kids. And then seeing that investment take that kind of that return on investment, becoming a parent and the fruit of it and you feeling this joy. And, you know, my wife and I are in this, like the complete, we're in the investment stage. We're in nine, two and a half, but I'm sitting here thinking about this. And I think about it in, in terms of how I, you know, the early conversations with my late wife's father you know and and one of the things that he said early on was in everything we invested into her and just like the this like uh this budding burgeoning potential that was like Mm -hmm. just starting to show itself and and he even said it feels like it's all for naught it feels like it's been in some ways wasted like what is the and it was his own like really vulnerable vulnerable wrestling with that and and i just wonder what your insight is on that cuz cuz again we had a listener who asked the question something to a, the effect of um you know when you lose someone that that there there will always be that empty seat at the table how right. is how is that redeemed you know mm-hmm. how is that not waste it feels like it's so wasted yeah. because you're always there nothing can replace that empty seat you know mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's what kind of got me tearful earlier as I was thinking about even things that are joyful. Um, You know, Our daughter just got married. My husband, we're going to have a 60th birthday party for him in a little while, and Will won't be there. Those are joyful things, and that seat's going to be empty. I always say the math is never going to add up again. I still stumble when somebody says, how many kids do you have? Yeah. I always have four. Now I have five because of my Um, son-in-law. But how can I, I kind of look at it this way. I have three kids here and I have one in heaven. I can still be a mom to Will. Mm. Days like this and moments like this of sharing his story is a way that I can steward his life forward. Mm. I am so proud of that young man and his story lives on. It's, it's not over yet. And I have the responsibility to continue to steward that this side of heaven. Wow. And there will be a day know, there's a, great version in a children's bible of the passage in Revelation. you know when all things sad sad will come untrue there will be a day a faithful day um you know in fact that makes me think of will when he was um ill the last maybe three months before he was invited on uh, you know some awesome organizations um was taking these cancer kids on a ski trip in Aspen, Colorado, of all places, and they would have a personal uh, assistant with them all day long skiing and taking care of them and doing all the things, and And somehow we allowed him to go. He had been with me, the poor 16-year-old, every day for nine months, and um, he went. And before he left, he left us some letters, four letters that he had various people deliver to John and I that week because he knew that we would miss him. And he he signed each of those letters. You know, one, he signed your favorite child. That was always kind of a big joke around our house. Like, who's, who's the favorite child? But then there's one he signed, you know, until that faith, he said faithful day. He meant faithful, I'm sure. Um, but I think he meant faithful too. Because it will be a faithful day when we get to join them in heaven again. Yeah. And all things sad will come untrue. But until then, I am called to parent my three kids here, but I'm also called in a different way. How can I find ways um, mm-hmm. to parent this child that is living in heaven and not living here? And part of that is sitting with another parent who's lost a child or teaching in that class at church, (laughs) Um, finding ways to steward their stories. I mean, that's a piece of what you're doing too, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, There's something really powerful for me when our story becomes broadened into intersecting into other people's stories, just as you said earlier,
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. where it becomes this shared thing, you know, this collective advancing of the kingdom, stewarding these stories to the end of redemption, right?
1: hmm Yeah, it is It is a beautiful thing to happen. And I think, like, I think at that class, we just talked about, it's a like a grief support class, essentially. Yeah. And, you know, there might be a hundred people in that room and you walk in those double doors and you can feel. Feel it. Yeah. You can feel the loss in that yeah. space. And it is hard and it yeah. is a privilege
3: mm.
1: <laughs> to be with those people. And I the last time I, I taught there, um, I remember saying, I remember the exact table I was at and the chair we often sat at. Mm. I said, I don't remember anything anybody taught. <laughs> but i remember the faces around that table and the losses and the stories that were shared and the eyes of the people wow god does his work in community around a table like that where you're with somebody else who gets your loss yeah yeah and it's beautiful and messy and a privilege and yes it's a way to um Continued the work of, of the story hmm. that was wow. their lives.
0: And Joan, the, um, a big part of, of what you do now is this idea of helping people understand their story. You know, that mm-hmm. I know that was something that was very impactful for you
3: mm-hmm. as
0: well as you were navigating and journeying this, this grief. And it's, it's huge for us too. It's paramount, you know, this idea of, How do we we say how do we want to help you partner with God to take back your story? Right. Really, Mm -hmm. what we're saying is we want to we want to help you understand how the redemption story that God is writing, so that Mm -hmm. you can be an active agent in that. Right. Come align yourself in that. But you know, I'm I'm curious as to how that how the concept of story for you, understanding, untangling, figuring out your story, writing your story, rewriting your story, those kinds of concepts. How 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 critical was that in this grief journey for you? And what are some things you learned about you know about this? Because there, uh, I'll I'll say this: I noted two instances that you said some things that I think only someone who is very intuitive into their own story would have cited. One was that the day you found this out was your twentieth wedding anniversary,
3: Mm -hmm.
0: and. That's huge because I think when you begin to get really curious about your story and how God's showing up in it, you see—I've seen those things in my own story. I've heard countless times where people have said, "These two dates, these two diametrically opposed dates, mm-hmm. right? Right? They're happening at the same time. What does that mean?" And then the other thing you said is—you um, said that God put this family in your path very subtly. This. this Pastor, whose daughter, right, lived, right. So I, I noticed that because that means you're very intuitive. Like you're looking into your story,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and and that seems to be a very critical part of of your grief journey. Can you talk a little bit about that? This story dynamic.
1: Yeah, I, story. I, I think it's a part of how God made me to be a listener. To be honest, and I discovered that many years ago, well before. This piece of our story that we're talking about today, and I believe that story is—it's uh, for me—it's a spiritual practice. It's not a "been there, done that." I looked at that at my story one time with the counselor.
3: Mm.
1: I think there are clues of who God is in our stories, and there are clues of who He has made us to be for this time. And so, will we be willing to be on a discovery mission with him to what those clues are? Wow. And I think he's revealing them all the time, and we're seeing like maybe 1%. (laughs) But part of our spiritual formations, part of our spiritual growth is learning to have our eyes open to um, grow our awareness of God and of ourselves and of the community that of God that He has put around us, and then all of a sudden His story becomes brighter and broader, as you said, and you are able to see some of those connections, and it becomes—I um, think it's Karen Mays who says it becomes like a God hunt. Mm. And that's a little piece of you know when I said earlier, like documenting what was going on on that caring bridge. That's a little piece of what was happening there.
3: Yeah.
1: Is every time we went to the hospital, we were on a God hunt. I mean, a, a cool story with that is um, the same pastor that had lost his daughter or didn't lose his daughter, whose daughter had cancer. We were taught. Will and I were talking to them one day, and we're like, okay. What what did you do to not you know lose your mind down here at the hospital or on the way right. here and and Amanda said well one thing that we do is we um, there's a homeless people population in the area so sometimes we'll just bring sack lunches mm. and pass them out I'm like oh that's a good idea and Will was actually reading a book all about the homeless just prior to getting sick and and. So, Will started going down to the McDonald's at the hospital and buying gift cards because that's part of what the book is. It said, you know, buy them $5, $10, you know, McDonald's gift cards. And so, yeah. we started doing that and it became this um, traffic light game as we got off the expressway to go to the hospital because there was this set of homeless guys um, that were always at the bottom of their ramp. And in particular, there was this one man named Roger. And I would call Roger a friend now. I haven't seen him for several years now, but we would start to, we'd time time it so that we'd have like, you know, two minutes with Roger at the bottom of the ramp. And for me, like looking out on him, I I'll have to send you a picture. He has the bluest eye. He has the eyes of Jesus. Wow. And here's this man who has nothing looking into our story Asking how Will was, um, I can tell you a much longer story sometime wow. about how um, he found out about Will's passing. Wow! But this man is one of the most pivotal pieces and people in my story of how we were reaching out to him, but he reached back to us and changed our life. So, that little piece of our story, of Roger's story, of Will's story, God somehow gave us eyes to see that even in the midst of our grief. But that happens today. I was just telling somebody yesterday, we had a pastor friend stay here from England, and he was a bird watcher. (laughs) And we have a bird feeder, I'm actually in the room that he stayed in, and he would get up super early and he'd get all excited when we came to breakfast. He's like, well, do you know you have this and this and this and this and this and this? And I'm like, no, we have blue jays and crows and <laughs>
0: <You have> birds. <laughs>
1: but I I just didn't have eyes to see them wow. and nor was I looking. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's how our day is. God is at work in our days. Will we decide to see him or not?
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. I know that. I'm sure you run into this in conversations. I've run into conversations where I kind of feel like that man talking to somebody, they're telling me their story. And I'm like, did you know you have this, 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 and this in your story? And they're like, huh, hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Yeah. And that's what, I mean, that's what I do with people in spiritual direction. That's what I yeah. do with people that are on these solitary retreats. They're, they're having a little bit of time to pull away and notice some of those things about God. Or as I sit with people doing story work, I i mean, part of, you know, if you look at my bio, I say, I love to help people connect the dots, you know, and take this big oops, yarn ball of life and start to pull on one of the threads and see where God's at in it.
0: Hey, friends, I, I know that so many of you who are listening to this are currently carrying a heavy weight of pain and loss. I mean, after all, that's probably what drew you to our podcast and here's what i know i know when we start to process what's going on in our lives we can often find ourselves paralyzed by the pain and not really knowing where to go from here we even begin to to hear or tell ourselves lies like this is the end of your story this will always define you and, and trust me i've, I've been there but, but i've also as i've come through it realized that those are just that they're lies this doesn't have to define you this isn't the end of your story with the help of others, I was able to navigate my way out of that valley. Listen, at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, we exist to help you navigate your pain and even find purpose in that pain. So if you're new to our community and you're wondering where to start, or if you've been with us for some time and you're just looking to take a next step, I want to invite you to a free webinar that I'm hosting just for you. It's called Five Steps to Taking Back Your Story, No Matter What You've Gone Through. In this webinar, I'm going to share with you a little bit of my own journey of how God met me and and guided me after losing my wife, Amanda, and I'm going to teach you five critical steps that you'll have to take in order to rewrite your story. The webinar is an hour and a half long, but I promise you, it will be well worth your time because in this webinar, you're going to learn how to regain a sense of agency and begin thriving, not just surviving, but thriving in the midst of trying circumstances. I'm going to teach you why having more questions than answers is an essential part of moving forward. I'm also going to teach you how to get rid of the overwhelming negative emotions that tend to bog you down and get you stuck. We're going to talk about the one keystone decision that is proven to get you out of your pain. I'm going to teach you how to listen to the right voices when everyone seems to have an opinion on what you should do next. And listen, we're going to talk about a ton more. So if you're feeling weighed down or paralyzed by the pain that you're experiencing, I want you to know you don't have to stay there. I would love to be your guide and show you the way back to thriving. So here's what you need to do. Go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash start here to sign up for this free webinar. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, just click the webinar link on the show notes of this episode. We've made it extremely easy for you to sign up and we're offering multiple date and time options for this webinar in order to work with your calendar. So go to nothingiswasted.com start here. Just click the webinar link that we've included in the show notes of this episode to sign up for your spot on this webinar. I believe this one step could be the very breakthrough that you need to put you on the redemptive path that God has for you. I'm in your corner. Can't wait to connect with you soon. Go ahead and sign up now. Look forward to seeing you. That's so beautiful. I love the picture of that. I mean, you've given us several metaphors just now, but even this, like the the breadcrumbs or the clues, right? These God Mm -hmm. clues. It's like we're an investigator Mm -hmm. trying to figure out these puzzle pieces. And once we can get these puzzle pieces put together, we can begin to see a picture of things, right? We Mm -hmm. and, and, You know, it reminds me of, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, very, 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 you know, cliche verse that you hear often, uh, Mm -hmm. for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future, but it says immediately after that, then you will seek me and you will find me if you seek me with your whole heart. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's, that's the critical piece right there. It's that God's there to be found, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: but he's not going to just. He's not going to come in flashing lights most of the time. There are times right. he does, right? There are times that, right. but most of the time he's going, I want you to seek me. I want mm-hmm. you to lean in. I want you to look, have eyes to see this. You know, this mm-hmm. is why Jesus said, those of you who have ears to hear, listen, right? And, 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 and in some ways you could see him kind of speaking in code because he's mm-hmm. wanting you to lean in and search and dig. And because mm-hmm. when you do that, then you're going to uncover some things and you're going to find some things in your own story. And
1: Well, and what happens there, right? When I do seek and I move towards him and he moves towards me, right? That's where like attunement happens. When I yeah. abide with him, my relationship with him grows yeah. and my relationship can even grow in, you know, we talked about wrestling, right? Wrestling with God on right. the loss or how the math doesn't add up or- right just the anger piece of it, God uses the wrestling too, mm. to even woo us back for yes. us to pursue him. So it's, I mean, I know I get frustrated in the wrestling, but I have to remember God is at work even in that. That's right. And he says, you know what? I'm going to put this wrestling in there because I want my daughter back. I want my son back. Yeah. And this might be the way that I'm going to do that.
0: Wow. I would, I would even go one step further, Joan, and say that that is one of his primary methods.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Right? I mean, we see it in the story of Jacob. Jacob's mm-hmm. name becomes Israel through the wrestling. Mm-hmm. Israel becomes the namesake for God's people. Mm-hmm. That's a very defining moment, right there, where it's right. almost like God's shining His light on that moment, going, "This is what our relationship's going to be about," right here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is where you're going to find me. Is in this wrestling. This is how we're going to. This is how we're going to interact right here. We're going to grapple
1: together. Yeah, in the wrestling and in the waiting. And his invitations are everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. And I think we're expecting them to show up like the Amazon box at my door or the pretty <laughs> Christmas package under the tree. And they might be under the rock or in the wow. neighbor that's kind of cranky down the street yeah. or the check out clerk who's just having a bad day. And so, will I be present enough to go, oh, I wonder where, can I be curious enough, I guess, to go, huh, I wonder if God's in the middle of that right there or this right here in my heart that I'm struggling with. Might that actually be an invitation? Can I reframe it? Can I resort some things in my story together with God? Can I like you said, borrow hope from the past. Um, and those might be ways of me finding God in the midst of what can be a really awful, painful season.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, I'm, I'm really curious. You brought up this two things that I want to talk about. One is this idea of spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. Um, that's unique. It's different than counseling or coaching it has its own unique place and it's something that that's that's you know one of the things that you do you spend so much of your time helping people as a spiritual director can you can you, can you kind of unpack that concept for us a little bit
1: yeah it is different than um, coaching or counseling right so coaching or counseling i'm probably you know, presenting with a situation in my life or I'm trying to get somewhere and a coach or a counselor are awesome because they can help me navigate what might be, you know, a next step or a next question to, you know, get me to point B or to resolve this thing over here. Right. Spiritual direction is very different than that. Um I don't really like the name of it. I think needs a, a new name because I'm not the director. God is the director. But I am the holder of the space for a conversation that that person wants to have with God. And I can help them, um, remind them who they are. I can help them based off of what they are sharing. Um draw them closer to him or point out some of these things that we just talked about like gosh have you ever noticed or ever wondered why this and this <laughs> or i mean even some of the things you've done on the call today of i heard you say this let's mm-hmm. sit with that for a little bit or what's a practice that goes with that so it's a for me it's a little bit like um you know when you're you're driving through the mountains in colorado and there's mm-hmm. a You know, a beautiful lookout. It's a little bit like creating a lookout in your life, and you've invited somebody to sit you up, sit with you out there. Little pull off, right? And there's this all this beautiful landscape around, and you're looking out, and you're looking out at the present. You might also, at a lookout, you might think about where you've been, Mm. and then you might also ponder about what is coming next. Mm. So it's kind of like putting a comma in your life in your spiritual life and kind of just pausing for a bit and having a conversation with a companion a guide on your journey. Mm-hmm. And so that that metaphor sometimes is helpful for me in describing, you know, what it is. Yeah. It is not I should do direction versus I should do counseling. You might do both at the same time. Um, direction's a great place as well as counseling to do story work, um, as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's amazing because you, I'm not sure you can really fully see your story without the help of other eyes looking in on it,
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: you know?
1: Yeah. I I mean, think about it, it. It's like, yeah, we have blind spots, right? I I can't see my face. I mean, I can see it now because we're on Zoom, but (laughs) I can't see my face without a mirror. Yeah. And I think part of what God calls us to as community is to be mirrors for other people. Mm. I think we live in a world that is desperately in need of other people to say, hey, I see this in you and it's beautiful. Wow. Do you know that you do this or you are this We need more people to be mirrors for us, yeah, to remind us who we are, to help us remember who we are, and who
4: God is.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, when when did you start getting into this? Was it was this um, something that was kind of a you would say a direct result of you know losing will or is this work that you were doing beforehand that God's kind of you know woven your story in with this or how how does the that...
1: spiritual directions stuff Yeah,
0: spiritual direction, story work, yeah. all of that kind story,
1: of story story work was already happening. Okay. And I think um yeah, just kind of prior to that I had done a deep dive into using the maps that I talked about earlier of just diving very deeply into my story. And I, I am a firm believer in I can that you can really only listen to the level that you've processed your own story. Oh, and so okay. uh, I had... But can, but
0: stop, unpack that a little bit. That's really interesting. I, I don't want to just gloss over what you just said right there. You can really only listen to the level that you have processed your own story.
1: And that might be Dan Allender or somebody, but I just I've sat with that quite a bit of... You know, I I can go and just kind of live through my life at a 2-inch level and yeah. you know, it'll it'll probably be fine. And then but let's say my family member something really hard happens to them. I'm only going to be able to listen at that 2-inch deep level because mm-hmm. I don't know how to dive any further because I've never done that in my own life, so why would I be able to do it with you?
3: <laughs>
1: wow. So that's part of the reason I think Story work is so important and story work together with God is so important mm. because it teaches me how to how to live more fully in the present moment, right and how to live the full life that he desires for us to live, like in John 10:10 10, 10.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, But it also allows me to go back and look at places in my story, I can travel back. I'm not going to live back there. I'm going to travel back together with God Mm -hmm. and look at pieces and threads and storylines and themes in my story that might provide hope for the future, that might help me unpack something that happened there that I'm living out of, you know, a false narrative now that I might want to lay down. (laughs) Um, And it allows me to have a peek at the future together with God, not live in the future. That's called anxiety. Um, But allow me to dream and to live out of the desires and longings that he's put in me. So my goal is to live in the present moment, but yes, I can look forward. I can look back um, together with God. Wow.
0: Wow. I love that. That, you know, you're, you have to do the digging work in your own story before you can really, I mean, in a, in a lot of ways, help other people to get to those the, the depth of those places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like today we're just in such an echo chamber. So many times, right, with social media, that just there's so many voices. There's you know everybody can retweet or repeat or re Instagram repost whatever other people's stuff, but they like, the true depth are the people that sit, they sit back, they reflect, they hold that mm-hmm. space and they go, Hey God, where are you? What What's your voice into all of this? Right.
1: Yeah. And whose voice do you want playing in your head and influencing your actions or your motives or your conversations? It's going to be the voice that you spend the most time with.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which kind of leads us to some of the things that you guys do with your the retreats, the silence and solitude retreats. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Because literally just the other day, my wife, Christy said, Hey, I think we, next time we do our little quarterly getaway, we should spend like the first eight hours just doing silence and solitude. And I love that idea because I'm a, well, I don't know if you speak any of your, any wing three wing four. So, okay. If, the four side of me is like, Yeah, I'll sit back and reflect and write. Do you know, whatever. Yeah. Just listen to the Lord. She's Enneagram Seven. So it freaked her out even just saying it. She's yeah. Just, right? I'm really proud of just,
1: her for saying that. Exactly. I was like,
0: Wow, look, look at you. Okay. Let's, let's do that. You know, and that, so, being all but vulnerable. it's not, it's not something that we have done and mm-hmm. it's not a practice that we do. And I'm really intrigued mm-hmm. in this personally. Okay. And, and then maybe everybody else can benefit from this as well. What does that look like? What do you guys do? Why is that important? What are the, Talk to me about these silence and solitude retreats.
1: <laughs> I know it's not something you're like, Oh, I can't wait to sign up. Yeah, for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, G- Gail and I, um, at the time when, before we started sacred, um, and the website's called my Life is sacred.com. Okay. And so, um, we were teaching a class. It was a two hour class, weekly class, spiritual formation focused. And we, always began with scripture and some quiet and then a little bit of teaching and then gave them some, essentially just some reflection questions, some solitude time on their own, literally like 20 minutes. And then they came back together in community. And one day we just started dreaming, like, what if they had more than that? Because that was the one thing that people were like, I need that in my life, the (laughs) solitude
0: part. But I don't know how to... Drinking a big old gulp of water when yeah. you're so parched. Right? Like, when oh. you're so
1: parched and you yeah. don't know it until you slow down enough sometimes. And so we're like, okay, well, what if, like, what if they had the whole day? And do we think people would come? Would men and women come? Would ministry leaders come? Would couples come? <laughs> and we just started dreaming and we found some places that were possibilities of where to do it. And we thought about what the day might look like. And we, Had a friend who helped with the website, another one with a logo. And and all of a sudden, it just started unfolding in front of us. And to be honest, the rhythm of the day had stayed the same for the last, um, we started in 2013, nine years, essentially, where we start in community with just some of the things I talked about. We talk about what it's like to slow down and that we set our expectations for the day. You know, really, there's only two expectations, that God is here and that you are loved. And we encourage people to let everything else go. All the things you thought you'd get solved and books you thought you'd get read and conversations you thought you'd have with God, can you lay them all down and just go, if I can walk away today knowing that God loves me and He's going to show me in some unique way today and that He's present, that is enough. And that there's really only one rule with um, our day of solitude, and that is simply that you don't have to produce anything. <laughs> and that, that like? <laughs> I know that trips people up. They're like, you know, you can see them there like taking notes, like, okay, the one rule, oh, I don't Wait have to produce anything. <laughs> and um, and then so we, you know, start together and we name like how we're feeling going into it, like I'm really nervous, or I'm unsure how this <laughs> is going. And what if God doesn't speak to me? All um, those really valid questions and concerns, and we name them out loud. And then you kind of have the middle of the day to yourself. We always pick a really beautiful place and we have some experiences for people to, you know, have a few handholds if they are a little bit stuck. So there might be some uh, art experience or, um, you know, music or a a visual kind of thing. Um, So they've always got some things to come back to and then at the end of the day we call this kind of our time of harvest where you individually and then around your table and around the room we talk about how did God show up and how did it go mm.
3: <laughs>
1: because it's important to kind of name what happened. I think so often in life we don't stop to pause, we go on to the next good thing.
3: Right.
1: <laughs> we don't pause to reflect and name and notice where was God today and what was hard <laughs> and what would I do differently and what was impactful? and then we talk a little bit about okay this experience happened but what um what is god really calling us to do in life and it's not just to go from one good retreat to the next good retreat to the next message at church you know yes it was a good day but he his calling and he modeled for us a rhythm yeah. of pulling away to be with Him in solitude, and then going out to His people. Uh, Henry Nowen talks about this too and describes this really well, to go out and be with His people in community in beautiful ways because you've been with the Father first. It's called the cycle of grace. And then from there, out of that community, you can go out and do ministry. So, ministry then becomes an outflow not the starting point of everything, because so often we do this cycle backwards. We begin with work and ministry and all the things, and what happens? We get tired. We get exhausted, and then we go back to our people, and they don't give us what we need. (laughs) They don't pat us on the back the way we want to. And then we go running back to our Father, which is fine, too. But God says, I have a way for you, my precious daughter, my precious son, and it begins with me. Mm. So, that's what the day is about. That's what excites us about doing these retreats, not just to do another retreat um, and to have a, a day of quiet, but it's a day to be with God and start to understand the rhythm of life that he's really um, drawing us to. I mean, a lot of it's based on, I love you know Matthew 11:28 to 30 in the message, right? And it says, are you tired, worn out, yep. burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it, learn my unforced rhythms of grace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he wants us to learn to live freely and lightly. Yeah. And so that's the invitation of, of a day of retreat like that.
0: I love that. Yeah, that unforced rhythms of grace and that message version is just really powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And And what I love about what you're saying, you know, the, the Jewish day is evening and then morning,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Mm-hmm. So it starts with evening, which is starting with rest.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is how mm-hmm. God set it up.
1: That's how he set it up. Go back to Genesis,
4: right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. He gave Adam a, a job, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, on day six, and the first day of Adam's job was what? Day seven. Rest. Yeah, rest. <laughs> rest. You know, so it's this, We, you're right. We see this, it's so backwards. How many... How many leaders, pastors, church leaders, how many people are just getting burnt out because they're starting with achieve, work, produce, right? Take the next mm-hmm. hill. And then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, and then I got to get away and I got to mm-hmm. find that rest. And, I, and, and you're saying, mm-hmm. no, we need to start from this place of being filled with the Father, filled with his spirit. And, and, and that only happens with us retreating, silence mm-hmm. and solitude.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Here's what I love about this conversation, Joan. We could we could sit and have this conversation. We could talk for a couple more hours easily, and yeah. maybe we can convince you to come back, and we'll talk some more about some things. We would love to keep talking about yeah, some I'd of this love stuff to. and more. But what I love about this is if you're so if you're watching this on YouTube, you've seen a drastic difference in even Joan's countenance. Like I'm seeing in this, and I see this. I've experienced it myself. When we talk about the grief of our story, you you still hold that grief very raw and real,
1: right? We've shared,
0: we've shed and shared tears on this on this conversation, right? This call, right? But then, as you started talking about some of the purpose that has been that this pain has infused into your life, you've started to come alive,
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: and and you're like, there's this excitement, and your countenance is glowing because of it. And I think what I want to note is that. Those two things are held together yeah. because I feel like, and you know this, that so many people as they're walking through grief and pain, they're in the depths of it. They're in the middle of that deep dark night of the soul. They're wondering, is there ever going to be life in me again? Mm-hmm. Is there ever going to be hope in me again? Mm-hmm. And, and I just want this conversation to be, to be evidence of the fact that yes, there is, but it means you're going to have to do some of this work yeah. that, that we're talking about and, Finding God in these stories, looking for him, seeking, and, and, mm-hmm. and you'll find him. Mm-hmm. You'll find him.
1: Yeah, I just want to encourage people. It It is worth it. It's hard. But the alternative is doing life alone or the alternative is being stuck in my loss, my grief. And that's the last thing that I want for me. That's the last thing I want for them. And yeah. God is sitting there waiting and pursuing them.
3: Yeah. Wow.
0: So good. Joan, where can we connect with you? We'll put all this stuff on the the page, you know, the show notes and the and the page that we have up, but we'd love to you know website, social media, where can we, you know, follow and, and connect with you. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna give you the two websites. One is okay. uh, the retreat ministry called Sacred, and the the link there is my Okay. Um, And then for the story ministry, it is called onelifemaps.com and the curriculum is called Listen to My Life and you can purchase um, that there. Um, The individual maps are all eight of the maps in the portfolio and that is at onelifemaps.com.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Thanks so much for spending time with us. This has been awesome.
1: Yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: wonderful conversation. What a remarkable woman.
2: Isn't she remarkable after all of that pain and sorrow? I mean, again, this is nothing is wasted, right? All of yep. the pain and sorrow God using yep. it for incredible things.
0: Yep. It, it Amazing. And I love what she's doing, really leading these silence and solitude retreats. I think that's such an imperative part of healing. It's an imperative yeah. part of discipleship, of, of learning how to follow after Jesus. And I think what you begin to learn as you're healing is that it is just an it's it's in a, a, a kind of a, a deeper avenue of just sanctification, mm-hmm. right? There's there's really not a whole lot of tricks of the trade, so to speak. It's just a matter of like, okay, how do I tune myself? Yes, into kind of really letting the Lord minister to my heart during this yep. trauma or this tragedy of experience, right? So how yep. do I kind of realign myself in this and begin practicing the age-old, ancient practices? Mm-hmm. That our church forefathers said, you know, a couple thousand years ago, hey, this is, the, this is what it looks like to follow after Jesus. Yeah. Joan talks about silence and solitude. That's one of those. Aubrey, there's been a lot of questions about this. We talk about this pain to purpose course. <laughs> We've talked about this on the podcast a little bit, some of the rhythms, some of the yep. rule of life that you need yep. to, you know, implement into your life to govern. Silence and solitude is a very difficult one and yet yeah. an imperative one. Yes. Especially in how busy our world is and yes. our, our lives, how do we create space for silence <laughs> and solitude
2: yeah, in such a busy I life? I love this question because I feel like silence is, and solitude is something that I have like stumbled to learn. You know what mm. I mean? It, I, my first experience of silence and solitude. One, I I went on a silent retreat when I was in college, but I like laughed. How long was that? My, it was a weekend. Okay. But I okay. laughed to myself the whole time. Like I was like giggling on the inside because I did not know how to be silent. You know what I mean? Like I was like, I don't I don't understand what this is. <laughs> Funny looking back on that, how much I long for a silent retreat now. But with my I, I met with the spiritual director for about four years, honestly, twenty fifteen to twenty twenty. And we would practice silence and solitude over Zoom together. Together. Yes. And really? um it, this is how I learned. Like you learn okay. by practicing, like riding right. a bike, right? And so yep. for for me, and we'll talk about doing it in busy seasons in just a second, so I'll try to make this quick. But for me, she would start by having me just, just the point is you're trying to listen to God, right? right? You're not zoning out, you're right. not doing anything weird. You're literally just This isn't some
0: kind of Zen thing where you're emptying your mind. No. Yes. You're
2: just trying to be silent. There's so many distractions, Mm. so many intrusive thoughts, so that you can hear from the Holy Spirit. And so she would have me start by even just pick, just picture a river. Mm. And it's okay. I'm trying to picture river. In like a 30 seconds in, I'm already like, but my grocery list and my uh, (laughs) you know. And she's like, that's okay. That's okay. Just say, (laughs) Oh, God there I am with my grocery list again. Okay, I'm returning to the river.
0: I can just see this tree growing out of your river and all these groceries (laughs) popping up on the branches. Yeah, totally,
2: 100%. It'd be like, (laughs) I kind of pictured them as like leaves piling up, (laughs) like there's a clump of leaves in the river and it's my like, (sighs) my oil needs to be changed, you know? Like, okay, and you're just gentle with yourself. Oh, there's that, ah, okay, okay, Lord, here I am again, help me. You know, and you just practice, you just practice. I think the beautiful thing is there have been seasons of silence and solitude for me now, and I'll, I'll come back to the busy season in just a second, where, like, I mean to tell you, there have been things where I thought, oh, this is an intrusive thought. Why does this keep coming back? Why can't I can't mm. be silent? And I've and I've realized, oh, wait, no. This is God bringing my attention to this thing. Wow. <gasps> Lord, you're speaking to me. What do you have to say? And there have been wow. moments of healing and freedom and wow. love that God has spoken over me in moments of silence and solitude that, like, wow. are transformative. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we can unpack those later, but I mean, things God has, and even recently in my life, in my time of silence and solitude with Him, where, where, I thought it was being distracted, but I realized the Holy Spirit was drawing my attention to something that Mm. needed to be drawn to. And there was healing work God wanted to do there.
0: You're learning, Um, I mean, you were learning to hear God's voice in that. That's
2: it, that's it. But here's what I would also say. My kids are now 16, (laughs) 13 and 11. When my kids were little, there was no silence and solitude. I was practicing <laughs> service. I was practicing- There you go. R- sacrifice. I was- You pra- were leaning you know, into
0: Brother other, Lawrence, Yes. Practicing other the presence of God.
2: Practicing <laughs> the presence of God in the quotidian. There were other things I was practicing. Yes. So I also think when you are a especially busy mom or dad in those early baby seasons, it is hard to find silence oh, and solitude times, but there are times where we can- put our phone on top of the freezer or wherever uh, for 10 minutes Yeah. in your car, turn off the radio, turn off your music. Right. If you get to drive by yourself, not everybody does, but that can be a time of silence and solitude. Like there are in the shower can be a silent. You know, we don't always have to set aside this hour that we may not have, but there are moments in our day where we can see those as invitations.
3: Yeah. To silence and
2: solitude. And then when you're in different seasons of life, like right now, I can get up before my kids and have an hour. That's a luxury I have now in this season that I didn't have a few years ago. Right. Okay, I've talked enough about this. What about you, Davey?
0: Well, I think that's, I mean, I think it's amazing. I I think, you know, when I think about silence and solitude and I think about really time spent with the Lord, I think about it in terms of like in a romantic relationship,
2: you're going to want
0: to do two things. You're going to want to have set aside time Right? And then you're going to want to have spontaneous time.
2: That's it. Both of
0: those times cultivate a good relationship in the romantic sense, right? So with with Christy, you know, it's like she knows I love her by, okay, I'm going to carve and guard certain times out of my schedule to make sure we go on a date night, to make sure we have time set aside where we can, maybe we don't have anything we need to talk about, but there's space for us to talk. There's space for us to enjoy each other. There's space for us to connect. And then there's times where it's like, well... Oh, this is fun. We got we have a moment here. Let's go, yeah. you know, and let's or let's have a moment where we sit down, and drink some coffee or some tea, yeah. and like, just talk about it for a minute, right? That was what a gift, right? So, I think about the same thing when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. That mm. those are so important. Christy and I actually carved some time the a couple of weeks ago when we were away, processing through the trial and stuff. We had a a day of so- silence and solitude, which as for Christy, as I an year in seven? That's like harder. her worst nightmare. She's like, yep. she was so freaked out. It was the cutest thing in the world. She was so freaked. She's like, what if I get hungry? I was like, you can eat. Like, eat. this is not like a, like, she's fasting. like but what if, but, 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 but can I talk to, do I, can I order something? If I like, what if I, I'm like, just, okay, you're thinking too much about this. Just, we're not going to talk. You're going to go in your own direction. Yeah, that's you're, it. That's so it. we both oh, that's just amazing. grabbed a Bible and a notebook and that's all we allowed ourselves. No books, no yeah. headphones, no nothing. Right. No music. It was just Bible and a notebook. Yeah, And it was so refreshing. It was so yeah. amazing. For me, yeah. I'm an Enneagram three wing four. So that I was like, oh, You're this is it. the best. I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, six hours is gone already? Like, <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> but, that is funny. So,
0: you know, I think that setting aside that time and what we decided, and maybe this is helpful for many of you guys, we decided once a quarter,
2: mm. we
0: need to give that to each other.
2: That's awesome.
0: So we have, you know, we practice Sabbath every yep. week, but once a quarter, that Sabbath needs to be, hey, Christy, you go. I got the your kids. Your turn. Yeah. Your turn. You just go have a day. Yeah. Silence and solitude and just yep. listen to the Lord. And yep. and so you can carve some of that stuff out, mm. right? And then to your point, Aubrey, you can also find some of those like spontaneous times that you still have to be a little bit intentional about yeah. because you still have to decide, I'm not going to turn the podcast on in the car. Right. I'm just going to, I'm going to sit in silence and I'm yeah. going to just- commune with the lord, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And the more that you plug that connection up, mm. the easier it becomes to plug that connection that's up so true. in those that's moments, so right? It doesn't yeah. it's not like you have to rev up for that.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right? You just boom right there. There it is. Yep. Boom right there. And so yep. I think that's I think but the the main thing that we want to, you to get out of this is how important why this is important.
2: Yeah, I think that's so key because it's like a cool thing to do, but why it matters, especially, I mean, we, you know, nothing is wasted. We know you're here because you are probably in pain or walking with someone in pain. Yep. And, and so it truly is, I believe, in our seasons of trauma, major life transition, right. tragedy, where in the silence and solitude is where you find that Emmanuel presence mm. of God that is yeah. so, so crucial. Yeah literally to help you survive these seasons. Right, like if right. you don't know that God's presence is with you, I mean, at least for me in my seasons of like grief, yeah. it's been like, well, I, what's the point of any of it? You know right. what I mean? But to right. be able to access the presence of God and be carried by the presence of God and know God loves you and is near yeah. and is tender with you. I mean, man, that's the difference between like, every, like, like yep. making it or not making it, running the yep. race or not running the race.
0: So true. I mean, I was just reading this morning in Mark the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000. I don't remember. I think it's Mark 6, I think is what the, but there's Matthew, Matthew 14, same, same account. The passage right before that. Yeah. It start, that passage starts out with Jesus went to a solitary place, yes. to a desolate Yes. Passage right before that is because he's grieving.
2: Yeah.
0: He's grieving the loss of John the Baptist, his, yeah. quite possibly his best friend. Some scholars believe John the Baptist was his rabbi, like his mentor.
2: Wow. And
0: so here's, here's someone grieving, someone so close mm-hmm. to him who shared a kindred spirit of kingdom mission with
2: him. Yeah. Wow.
0: This is Jesus grieving and he goes away to a solitary place. Mm-hmm. That's his first response. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think it's so imperative for mm-hmm. us. What, what pain incites us to do is pain incites us to try to distract and numb and cope.
2: Totally. Totally.
0: And we have to be intentional about going, no, I'm gonna step back and get silent. I'm gonna remove distractions. I'm gonna hear from God. Mm. And although the the silence can be deafening, so to speak, in those if you lean into that, yeah. I think God, you provide God this unbelievable opportunity to show up for
2: you. That's right. That's God right. God with us
0: Emmanuel. Mm. And and I think what we see with Jesus, I mean mm. the the reason he chose silence and solitude, you know, he needed he sought direction from the father. He's like, what? What's my mission? What am I here to do? And he mm. he, he would pro- I imagine there was probably mission leak, yeah.
3: for him as in his right. humanity. And so uh, he's like, I got to get been. back yep. and
0: okay, why am I here? What am I supposed yeah. to be doing? Yeah. And he was yeah. wrestling with some of those existential questions to attune himself to that. I only do what the Father tells me, right? Yeah. And I also think, I mean, you look at the temptation of Jesus. One of those temptations from the enemy in the wilderness was to short circuit mm. the mission to short-circuit right. the cross. I'll give right. you dominion over all of this yeah. if you just yeah. worship me. Well, dominion was right. going to be had by the cross right. and the empty tomb, right? But he had to go right. through the cross for dominion to buy back yeah. that authority.
2: Yeah.
0: So, so sometimes that silence and solitude also helps us to endure carrying the cross of mission mm.
2: yeah. in our life, wow. like
0: carrying the weight of yeah. a very difficult world and being faithful in a difficult world. So I think That's those right. are some reasons That's for right. me why it's so important to, we just yeah. take our cues from Jesus. Silence and solitude is so important.
2: Yeah. I mean, it it is funny to think like, okay, n- like if Jesus had to do it, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I hate to frame it like that because I do think it's not a ha- have to. I think it is no. an invitation. Yeah. But like if the son of God was practicing silence and solitude, we might, we might learn something I'd
0: go back to what Christy says this all the time she's like man people are so confused about how to follow Jesus it's like what's what's the verse says those of you who claim to be in him must walk in the ways that he did (laughs) literally just do what Jesus did (laughs) and you're following after him right (laughs) Jesus went to church I'm gonna go to church Yeah, uh, Jesus, silence, I'm going to go silence, solitude. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's good. Let's make I it love, a little bit simpler here. I love Christy. I love Christy for
2: that. That's so good. That's so good. Well, we are uh, obviously passionate here at Nothing Is Wasted about equipping you to do what, what Christy yeah, is passionate about, you walking right. with silence Jesus. Silence and solitude, so <laughs> that's your <right>. joy. <laughs> that's right. I, I wish uh, I could see Christy do it. I
5: know.
2: <laughs> uh, and some of the resources that we have for you really to cling to Jesus in the middle of your pain are available for you. On our website nothingiswasted.com slash community and uh, there we have not just a website but we've got uh, again resources we've got our community platform where you can connect with other people in pain we've got community plus where we have all kinds of offerings yeah. for you so we would love to just invite you to go there nothingiswasted.com slash community we also want to thank sleeping at last for providing the music for the nothing is wasted podcast you can download stream his music wherever it is you do that
0: yeah also, interact wanna... with us Yep. Follow Go us ahead. on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, at David Blackburn, at Obsam. Sorry, Aubrey, I just cut you off right now. No,
2: there. cut me off. You're giving some you more nod going? to
0: Sleeping at Last there. Got, <laughs> um, I kept
2: talking. I keep talking uh, about Sleeping at Last all we day. Just
0: love, <laughs> um, we could talk about it. We listen to them all day. Um, next week, we have an incredible conversation with Joanna Weaver. And uh, you're not going to want to miss this one. So tune in next week with us. Go ahead and listen to a little clip from my conversation with Joanna right now. <laughs>
4: I really believe that God's more concerned about building His kingdom in us than wow. He is in building His kingdom through us, right? But the so enemy the enemy wants to sidetrack us. He wants to take us out with the wound of offense. Yeah. And if we cooperate with His plan, we're going to get frozen at that point of past pain. And wow. though we may be moving forward, we're really walking dead men and women. Because yeah. everything refers back to that tomb, to that place of betrayal. Yeah. But if we give God access to that place, if we let Him, by His grace, help us hammer out forgiveness and cultivate the unoffendable heart of Jesus, wow. the thing that the enemy meant for evil That's is right. going to boomerang back on His thieving right. and right. deceiving head. That's right. That's right. the power of our great Redeemer, God. Oh, but got we've got to cooperate.